If you like the podcast, remember to check us out on YouTube, where you get to see comedy commentary and a whole lot more. That's the YouTube channel, Balderdash Academy. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Tonight we have Linda Hildenin, half of the creative team of Linco Media, and Daniel Bridgman, co-stars of their upcoming Port Fringe show, It's Complicated, the musical. They also write music together as the duo Scrum Girl. We also find out why a person threw food at the Mona Lisa. Who knows? But first! Uh, Balderdash Academy, competitive comedy, good for your health like a yearly colonoscopy. Bring a flask, don't forget your hall pass. If you need a laugh, let me introduce the school staff. Marie Stewart Harmon teaches home economics. See her after class for some home brewed tonics. Sex with me is like Nate Green, cause finishing on top is his normal routine. Coach Steve brings the show sports knowledge, but he's bad at portmanteaus cause he didn't go to college. Molly McGill spits words like an Uzi. She wins every game but can't name a single movie. They Calling Brady Hunt, the theater guru. He'll always almost win like deja vu do. Carla Rose Dubois, you better watch your back. She's notoriously known for teaching music facts. And Baba Blanc gets no disrespect. Don't talk back, cause he's technically correct. Yes. Let's go. Balderdash Academy, baby. Alright, sit down. Class is starting. So we took a month off. For Molly, Carla Rose, and myself to help start a new sketch comedy group in Portland. If you'd like to see our first show, the link is in the description. So, with a month off, here's the recap. We have Molly, Nate, and Carla Rose tied with two wins each. We have Marie and Randy tied with one win each. And we have Steve tied with no wins each. So Steve last show denied himself the win by giving Carla Rose... 0.3 0.3 points. Oh, just a generous guy. What can I say? Just a generous guy. <laughs> that was the yeah, best literally ever. handed her the win with five minutes to go. Steve, Steve, you learned your lesson. Yeah. What is your strategy to win tonight other than give your points to another person? <laughs> okay. Well, my strategy last time was to not try, and, and it actually helped me a lot. I, I came very close to winning. Um, yeah. And I really defeated myself at the end, really. I was my own worst enemy. Uh, so I think tonight I'm going to, same tactic, not try. Not try and be funny. Not, not try. try and be clever. Just, just okay. say things and then um, not screw myself over at the very end. Nice. That's okay. a sound tactic. No pity points, though. No pity points. Don't pity yeah, him. I, I don't mind. Do you know how sad it is that your tactic same. is not try and then not try to screw yourself over? <laughs> Isn't that sad that I need that to is, even present I, I mean, that? I yeah. only think it's sad because it's mostly the outline of my life. So our <laughs> visiting professors tonight are Linda Hildenin, half of the creative team for Linco Media and her partner, co-star of the Port Fringe show, It's Complicated the Musical. It is complicated because Daniel Bridgman's also her husband. So both are special education teachers with their two young sons, Ezra and Oliver, and they write music together as Scrum Girl. That's awesome. I'm not musical. I barely have rhythm. (laughs) Well, it's a thing. 
We're going to talk to Linda and Daniel shortly, but before we do, they have guaranteed to be the scorekeeper tonight while our faculty compete for the coveted reigning champion banner. At the end of each round, they will assign points to the competitors they feel are most worthy. They're not looking for the correct answer. They're looking for the best answer. The points are arbitrary and can be given to anyone for any reason. At the end of the night, the faculty member with the highest point total will be named the reigning champion because that's how a game show works. So tonight's crew is competing to take the win away from our professor of music theory, Carla Rose Dubois. And we're going to start with our first game. Our first game is Give Me the Details. I will reveal a news story, and each of our faculty members who are experts in that story will give us details that the press might have missed. Our visiting professors will give points for the answers they like best. I mean, why not, right? Our story. According to NPR, a man in a wig disguised as an elderly woman threw something at the Mona Lisa in protest. What did he throw at the Mona Lisa in protest and why did he throw it? Uh, obviously the first person we're going to go to is an expert in the Louvre Nate! Nate! Yes. What did well, he throw and why did he throw it? Everybody knows that this was reported by NPR and Neil Patrick Randall went there and reported this himself. He himself, the reporter, dressed up as an elderly person to throw raw spaghetti. Mm. He he took just tomatoes, smushed them up, put them on hard spaghetti, mm. and he threw it at the Mona Lisa because when in Rome, except it was in because France. when in Rome. In Paris. He's not geographically, he's not good. Not good culinary either. Okay, so when in La Rome. Okay. (laughs) Randy, what did he Uh, throw and why? Yeah, so, I mean, the Mona Lisa's been around for a long time. I I don't even know. I'm not going to hit whatever year it was, but it's been hundreds of years. Uh, And, uh, you know, the poor Mona Lisa just sits there on the wall with everybody staring at her uh, and she she never gets a snack, right? I mean, she never gets a break uh, and uh, so I believe uh, the person was protesting that she wasn't being fed hmm. and so he was throwing some Snickers at her because that satisfies uh, <laughs> and, and, and solves hunger. appetite and hunger issues, yeah. Yeah. All right, Snickers satisfies Steve. Uh, okay, here we go. So there's this guy, uh, Jeff Steadworthy. Uh, now, Jeff Steadworthy, big fan of puns, and this was all an elaborate setup for a pun. Uh, he hired this person to go in here disguised as a woman uh, with, a, with a small uh, figurine of Jeff uh, Steadworthy. Uh, the figurine was, was thrown at the Mona Lisa, uh, so he could simply make this single joke, uh, which is, you really threw me through a Louvre. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right. There's that not trying. Loving it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, season two. All right, there we go. Molly. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, there was a particular gentleman who dressed up as an old woman. His name was George 
Platts. And uh, sorry, I had to like remember it. Um, and uh, George Platt has been plagued since uh, middle school art theory class where he was, he couldn't understand the smile debate. Is she smiling? Is she not? Is it a smirk? Who says it's a smirk? It plagued his whole I- adult life. Is He stayed and he drew black pictures and, and, and he went to therapy and he lived in a closet. And I'm talking like it was really bad. So what he did is he went there, he dressed as an old woman because he thought it would be funny. He took out a rubber chicken and he threw it at the Mona Lisa and he said, smile, why won't you smile? Because he just wanted her to crack a smile. All right. So there you go. All right. So according to NPR... A man in a wig disguised as an elderly woman threw something at the Mona Lisa in protest. Nate says it's Neil Patrick Randall who dressed up and threw raw spaghetti at the Mona Lisa because, when in Rome, Randy, it was a person protesting that she wasn't being fed and Snickers satisfies. Steve, Jeff Steadworthy, because she threw me through the Louvre. Okay, and Molly, George Platts, plagued since childhood about the smile debate and just wanted to see her crack a smile. So, Linda and Dan, how would you like to score? Well, so do we score one? Okay, so I... You can I'm, score I'm gonna... any amount, positive and or negative, to any wow. person. Okay, well, I'm not giving any to Nate because I'm Italian. Yes. And first of all, oh, uh, wow. I'm, half, I'm half Italian and <laughs> nobody in my types. family is okay with the idea of throwing raw spaghetti at a wall. You know that you do it when it's done. <laughs> like that's, if, if, if it had been, if it had stuck, you would have gotten the points, buddy, but you don't throw raw spaghetti at a wall. Yeah, Nate. I, uh, I agree. I, I mean, I don't know how many points we can give to Molly because I don't know how much we can support like a toxic masculinity. Just like you just need to smile oh, a little true, more. Like just, why you look so pretty when you smile. Yeah, if it makes you, you feel better, more. Molly is a member of You Should Smile More. The all women improv troupe. <laughs> so it's really self-promotion, uh, I think, is what's going on here. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm taking them from. Uh, first of all, the, the, the I've been to France. They don't eat Snickers, so I think my I'm going to give Snickers. fifty points to uh, Steve. Wow, um, because it was a truly terrible pun. Like he Thank he. he that. I love the eye roll. <laughs> Does it does it loop around back to being good? Is it like is it like that? I think so. Uh, yeah. Is it the Sharknado of puns? Or what you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's more. Uh, oh, what's that one? Velocipaster. It's Velocipaster. 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 Yeah. Not to be confused with Velocipastor, which was just a dinosaur who was really big into killing viruses. <laughs> what do you think the answer is? I'm not going to tell you. Let us know. Check back after four questions to find out because that's how we blackmail you into staying around. Oh, Linda and Daniel, thank you for coming on the show. Um, We're going to talk about It's Complicated, the musical. We're going to talk about Port Fringe and a lot more. Before we do, I wanted to talk about, uh, Linda, Once in a Lifetime. Yes. Right? LGBT podcast musical about love in the early days of COVID. Could you tell us how how that came about? Okay, well, sure. I've told this story many times. So, um, so I'm half of one. I'm one half of uh, Linco Media, which is a uh, mm-hmm. 
it's me and my my music writing media creating partner Colby Misho who is not actually working with me on it's complicated but um we um what was interesting the way it came to be was that we had been in the process of writing another musical and we had just finished mm -hmm. it and we were about to stage it in March of 2020 um and uh then things happened um and so yeah. Uh, that wasn't about to go forward and we were sort of spinning our creative wheels. And then there was uh, the National Association of Music Theater trying to get people to be creative, thinking people were going to be in their houses for like a month, maybe, um, did this 15-minute uh, musical competition where they're like, okay, write a rough 15-minute musical or five, you know, three new songs from a musical and uh, submit it. So we're like, okay, we have nothing better to do. Let's go for it. So we wrote three songs of a new musical and... Um, and we submitted it and we lost. And so then we decided, well, what are we going to do with this? We have to do something. And um, we, be, we just kept developing it. And it turned to turned out to be a musical about uh, these two women who meet at the very, like just, they go on their first two dates right before COVID starts. And then they can't, uh, they can't see each other. And so it's all about sort of the stress of having this very new, very burgeoning relationship when you, 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 you haven't declared anything yet, but yeah. you can't see each other to figure it out. And so, um, so it's a six episode musical. There's a, there's an original song in every episode and some really great scoring. My, my creative partner is amazing and he writes yeah. the most incredible scores. And, uh, we just finished releasing it at the beginning of this month. So it was six episodes that ran from, it actually ran. Not this month. Today is the first day of this month. Then last month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it all came just out today. Just finished releasing it in May. <laughs> yes, we just finished releasing all right, it in yeah. May. Um, yeah, and it ran two years. Like every date that it released was a corresponding date to uh, a date in the episode. So it was two years okay. removed from the time frame of the story. That's cool. Um, and we've gotten a lot of really great feedback and we're very excited to continue to grow the audience. And we would really appreciate it if any of your <laughs> listeners who would like to uh, check it out, it's uh, you can find it at once in a lifetime podcast.com. Yeah. Or the link in the description. Or the I, link in the description. I listened to it. I loved it. Um, oh, I'm glad. The recording of it, that was all done in person, right? Yeah. Uh, was uh, there any special protocols that went through? Was it done remotely? How'd you accomplish that? So, it was done in it was mostly done in person we did have several people who were out of state and they did it separately yeah. and what it was is that um we we went with the podcast thinking okay well we can do this all separately if we have to but then by the time we were done writing it um and getting everything ready it was it, luckily for us everybody in our cast had been um had, had a chance to be vaccinated and we were able yeah. to do it in very very small groups you know we never had more than 10 people in a room i mean we never had more than five people in a room ever so um but that's i mean there's some there's some trickery going on because as you're listening yeah. to it um i cannot tell you i was i was the editing process for the for the rough cut and trying to make all those Zoom calls sound like people are reacting to each other when none of those people were talking to each other in any way, shape, or form. Was <laughs> Did not you record them separately on Zoom or at the same time? Recorded them completely separately. And quite a okay. lot of the time, I did not do the good, the best job at like getting the, like, I gave people these reaction sheets. Like, I'm going to need five affirmative answers and five <laughs> negative answers. 
three jokes <laughs> and four groaning how terrible he is. And then there were things I just didn't have reactions for because I suck. And so then I just ended up listening to something like 40 hours of people going like, ah, ah, and like trying mm. to fit them in or whatever. So it's the fact that it actually sounds cohesive is one of the great accomplishments of my life, really. Oh it, so, it sounds great. It sounds now I I think you're in the right place with your people. We did uh, 30 episodes of a serialized improvised comedy podcast all through Zoom, mm. sometimes with us being what was Carla Rose 1100 miles away at one point. And when you're when you do every anything on Zoom, you're talking up to a three second delay. Um, one of the yeah. things I'd oh, like yeah. to do is when the delay creep happened, I would isolate all the actual audios and send it to the group so they could see when or hear when the um, the audio began to move out of phase with each other. <laughs> Hey, this is Bob. I'm just uh, editing the episode since Alan's on vacation and also doesn't exist. So I figured you might want to hear what we're talking about when we talk about that sync drift through Zoom. Um, so uh, I'm going to have you give it a listen. Yes. Um, Wish the Bea is what the sweet old Irish moms would whisper to their babes when they were calling and trying to fall asleep. Yeah, here we go. And when they would not fully get out of that little cold, I'm going to cry all night. Squeeze a little dab of whiskey right on their gums. Put them right to sleep. Wish Gabea, wish Gabea. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Uh, so, there you go. If you ever do any recording on Zoom, make sure you record locally like we are and just sync it later. It'd save you a ton of headaches. All right, back to the show. Yeah, yeah it, it was sounds, tough. Yeah. It sounds like you, uh -huh. even, you, you even took it a step further where you weren't recording everybody at the same time. Like, you didn't all get together on one Zoom meeting. You... Kind of like uh, piecemeal you know, when you do voiceover work yeah. on, you know. Yeah. So other than the two place. main characters got to be in the studio at the same time, and it, like I was in the studio with the two main characters because I play the tertiary character Lisa, and Dan, who plays a very very small role, was in the studio like one of those days. Yeah. Other than that, every single person on that call is reading against me. Um, and then I'm editing them all together. And then it was um, it was interesting because what I found was that my lines, when I was reading against people, because I was so busy directing in the studio and like and we were just trying to get through it fast. There were parts where like I was playing a social worker who was overseeing um, this this important emotional Zoom um meeting where people are talking about their problems. And I am so focused on directing other people that they'll be like, and then there was Asian hate and my my parents were were discriminated against. And I'll be like, that's terrible. Let's move on to the next person. So I had to like <laughs> reread all of my lines because I, was, like, I forgot to act yeah. while I was doing everything. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was a there was a there were a lot of levels going into making it. It's sound hard. Like so yeah. the first thing one of the first things we did was release a five part mystery radio show. Um, oh, okay. And for that, rather than do it the way you did it, where you did the lines independently, 
because I knew how long it would take to edit and master it, I just got everyone on a single Zoom call and we just ran it. And I, I could edit yeah. it piecemeal. The benefit was that with that is that I could release it as both a video and a podcast. And, and yes. we did. Um, and from social media, but that's huge. It, it is huge. It, it was also yeah. the right way to do it in the very beginning of the pandemic. I yeah. wouldn't recommend doing it that way now. I think the way that you approached it was far more. Well, number one, it's the way that it's normally done in audio and character recording you record separately you put it together it's really difficult to both do it and direct it what were some of the bigger challenges that you found outside of having to re-record all of your lines over was it like how did you coax out the performances because there are some brilliant performances in, in the podcast how did you manage to get them out remotely well and i mean the ones that were remote there were some that were remote and it was um, like I wasn't even in on the call when they were recording. Like, and so it was a matter of having conversations with them and saying, okay, I want you to, I want you to give me four versions of every line. And I want you to give three, you know, one like this, one like this. And then I always ask for a totally over the top emotional reading where they think they're going way too far and way more often than you would think that's the one you end up going with. Um, because yeah. it's, because it's an audio format, like people right. can't see your expression. So you really yeah. need to have more going on in your voice. Um, I certainly think that in some respects, coaching for audio acting is easier than I've done a little bit of film directing and I have to tell you, there's nothing harder in my mind than directing a stage actor for a film because yeah. that's the opposite. Yeah. It's like, bring well, it down, bring it down. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it down. Um, we can see so, your wrinkles up close. You don't need to make them bigger. Making note of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The pores. Um, because I mean, they're always they're always playing for the back of the room, and that's no, yeah. not right. not the cameras right here, buddy. Um, totally. Cheating the forty five degrees, yeah. just like I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so certainly, but yeah, I think with audio, it was a lot of you know, I mean. So much of it, as with anything, is to find the best people and then trust their process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, in in the room, oh boy, like I had to be pushy a lot. Like I think you know, you get you get a, a crash course on how to be a pushy woman when you're directing, um, because you have to be because they need you to be. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. And so you're being a director. That was, yeah. Well, being like being yeah. like, okay, I that was beautiful. That's amazing. I do want you to do it completely do it differently because it was wrong. But oh my god, you look your hair was great. Like, your hair. <laughs> that was beautiful. Absolutely not what we needed, but it was good. You should feel. Like well, that was fun. We have to get very right, good so at the sandwich. Yeah, we are going to talk about It's Complicated, the musical in Port Fringe. Uh, before we do, we're also going to hit up for questions and find the answer to give me the details. Join us when we return with Linda and Dan right here on Balderdash Academy. This is Bob with a special announcement. You can now meet the cast of Aphrodite Prime and the Invaders from Venus 12 and most of the cast from Balderdash Academy at the Port Fringe kickoff Monday, June 13th 
at 5 p.m. at Bellflower Brewing. We will be there. We'll be meeting with people, having a good time. You can join us again, Bellflower Brewing in Portland, Maine, June 13th at 5 p.m. We'll see you there. Our points are in first and only place, we have Steve with 50 (laughs) points. So, Linda and Daniel. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I feel like we didn't. I don't don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to be giving places. Yes, Dan, you can. I want to. I you want to stratify can do whatever a little you bit. Want, all right? Can we, I mean, just to get nitty gritty, let's, can we give like, maybe yes. like 10 to Molly? Yes. Maybe 15 yes, you can. to Ramsey? Can we give negative 10 to Nate for yeah. throwing Ross? Yeah, not yes. the first time no. that's yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> now this both game's getting rough. interesting. All right. yeah. Now. That's a harmful stereotype. The- now the points are in last place. We have Nate with negative 10 points. We have a two way tie between Molly and Randy with 10. And in the lead, we have Steve with 50. All right. Ooh, so it just got spicy. Yeah. The, my lead shrunk a little bit. <laughs> before we move on. Nate grew, which is funny. Significantly. There's hope. So before we move on to our next game, I will spin an opening icebreaker question from our Balderdash randomizer. Now, these questions were written by our intern, Alan. The Balderdash randomizer will generate a random question that our visiting professors will answer for 30 seconds or in 30 seconds or less. So, Linda and Daniel, these are hard hitting. (laughs) There we go. Question number 11. What is your favorite musical? Ooh, waitress? Yeah, on the spot. Uh, uh, and you can I mean, have separate ones if you like. <laughs> you're allowed. They are two I, separate I, people. I'm going to stick with waitress, but it's tough. It's tough. Uh, waitress is a great Waitress show. is up there. Uh, come from away is so good. Um, yep. I, I, I didn't ask what's your favorite musical that you've seen. It's we don't have that much time. Uh, in the I, I also... <laughs> Any way you want to answer is the right way. This is an opinion. You can't get it wrong. <laughs> Can we award them we points? Jeremy yeah. Jordan on Broadway. So yeah, it's hard to beat. I feel like we saw. Yeah, we saw. We saw Waitress with Jeremy Jordan and Shoshana Bean in the in the lead roles, and it was like a Friday night. It was like super Five, like like super horny, four, but it was also like it was really really good. Horny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Waitress is. Let's go with Waitress. Which yeah. Waitress yeah, I've seen that. I've seen answer. it four times, three times on Broadway, and I love that musical. It is so fun and and amazing. Yeah, I've seen it once so. in the shower, and then I realized it was just me singing. That's the um, right answer. I don't so, think I've heard about that, that cast recording. Super horny, though. No, well, I, I put <laughs> it up, and then they they paid me to take it down. So either way, I made money off it. Uh, our next game is four questions. So in honor of our visiting professors. And your love of theater, tonight's four questions will be about the musical. So, whichever one of our faculty members gives the best, not necessarily the correct, but the best answer, Linda and Daniel will award points. Our first question. According to the New World Encyclopedia, the first musical was the five and a half hour long comedy, The Black Crook. 
It opened in New York in 1866 and ran for a staggering 474 performances, bringing in an unheard of $1 million in its run. So adjusted for inflation, that very first of whatever music, that very first musical never before seen, uh, made about 40 million adjusted for inflation. Whoa. Wow. So the black crook set in Europe. What was the show about Molly? Oh, well, I know this one. It's so famous and so long. Um, it was actually a philosophical debate between four wise and philosophers. You know that they're philosophers because they have beards. Uh, and they just sat there and they, uh, philosophized about what kind of crook in a tree branch really meant. Was it a crook? Why was it there? Was it, was it really there? That's deep. All right. Yeah, yeah no, that, that makes sense. For five yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. You limbed, therefore you were. Nate. That's right. What was yes, the show uh, about? The show was about um, politicians during the Black Plague. Uh, they had to orate. Uh, but in this case, they, they sang. They sang eight. Um, and uh, they went on, uh, like, debates um, or and... Just uh, like each scene's a little bit different. It was a five hour thing. Um, and there were a ton of people, you know, running for office. So um, some of them were debates back and forth. Some were just um, kind of like monologues. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. but it was all about the the crooks, the, the politicians running for office during the Black Plague. All right. So uh, politicians trying to figure out who was the master debater. Randy, what is to. the show about? He has to be uh, The show is about... <laughs> the show was about uh, the two main characters were the sun and the moon. Uh, and the moon, of course, representing night and the sun representing day. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Uh, but it was really all about uh, how jealous the sun was of the moon because uh, all the fun things happened at night. Uh, so the sun would uh, put on a disguise to, you know, hide its sunniness, its brightness, and uh, would steal things from the night to make it less appealing to people so that they would like daytime better. All right. Oh, Self-eclipsed crime spree. Steve. Uh, this was a musical about a, a criminal, uh, and this this man, he wore a heavy cloak, and he was friends with a, a man who could dye, uh, <clears throat> color dye clothing, uh, okay. and he really struggled with what color he should wear, because there weren't a lot of criminals at this time. Uh, crime had not really been invented yet. He was kind of like a trendsetter. Uh, he's like, you know, what if I want something? It's not mine. Can I just, you know, take it? Like, nobody had thought about that before. He's like, what if something's not true? Can I just say that? Like, nobody had thought about doing things that were, you know, 
not the the not a good upstanding thing to do so he decided to do this he started stealing things he started um murdering people you know just as you do and he couldn't decide what color to wear and he sung an entire 24 minute song where he listed every color that existed in the english language at that point um it was beautiful and the reason it was so popular is people at the time weren't exposed to too many colors um, okay. So they really just want to listen to a man list every color, um, which is really why they generated so much money. It, it, unfortunately, the title is a spoiler. He ended up just wearing a black cloak. Kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, there, it was a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. So Steve, he sang uh, a chromatic song uh, for his wardrobe. I mean, why not? It was a long, <laughs> was a long drawn out way to get there. All right. Yep. So the black crook. What was the show about? We have Molly philosophical debate with bearded philosophers about a uh, tree branch, the crooked tree branch. We have Nate politicians during the Black Plague singing about debates. We have Randy shows about the sun and the moon and the sun self eclipsing to have fun in the night. And we have Steve, a criminal, finds a friend who can dye clothing, and he struggles with what color he should wear while inventing larceny. Mm. All right. All answers. Uh, how would you like to score? Ooh, that was a rough round, guys. <laughs> On behalf of Ricky Gervais, I would like to take points away from Steve for basically ripping off the invention of lying. Oh, yeah, you know your films. Oh, I was really hoping there you had oh my God. Yeah. with the films of Ricky Gervais. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take away five there. That's a negative five. Um, I feel like we've got to give, I want to give Randy like 30 points for being like, really genuine and having like i don't know like an actual idea for me i mean not- i'm gonna bring it up to 45 because it had absolutely nothing to do with the title like yeah like he could have just played on the title yeah. and instead he was like it's about the sun and the moon and philosophy R- randy's out here giving us his like sex script like that was Great sage francis song by the way i'm writing this play later on oh yeah that is a good sage for wow you know your stuff yeah, so I have a collection of plays the from the uh, 1860s, and very rarely do the plots actually at even remotely close to the title. You know? <laughs> well, there you go. Actually, especially right, five and a half hours. hours. Yeah. yeah, we're going to give 10 points to Molly for using a different word of use of the word crook. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give a 10 to Nate for what the hell did Nate do? I don't even remember. He was... He, uh, Pasta. It's, 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 I feel like it's only going to be 10 because... His his answer about politicians was good, but he was so close to Nixon and saying like, "I am not a crook." Close but no cigar, right? Yeah. yeah, low hanging fruit. You know, I I usually reach for it, but the, I didn't even see it this time, so that was my bad. All right. So the black crook was about the evil and wealthy Count Wolfenstein as he seeks to marry the lovely village girl, Amina. With the help of Amina's scheming foster mother, Barbara, the Count arranges for Amina's fiancé, Rodolfe, an impoverished artist to fall into the hands of Herzog, an ancient crook-backed master of black magic. Whoa. Yeah, obviously. Wow. Isn't that just Billy Madison? Well, I mean, (laughs) the reason it was... Five hours is just to try to get that plot across in a reasonable yeah. amount of time. Count Wolfenstein? Yeah, Count Wolfenstein. Wow. That's an 1860s. 
Yeah, people very, were very yeah. easily entertained. They'll sit, they'll sit for five hours. Their their attention span was much longer. Because all that, what else are they going to do? Like go watch the crops die? Like it's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is we we know right now. I mean, I like musicals even more knowing that the first musical had a character called Count Wolfenstein. Yeah, that's incredible. So, question number two: While the musical has only been around since 1866, it evolved from different forms of entertainment. What did its producers, Henry Jarrett and Henry Palmer, say the musical evolved from? So what did the musical evolve from, Steve? Uh, it evolves from just sitting around the old campfire, <laughs> singing the old tunes. You know, obviously this was the end of the, the Civil War in the United States. And so a lot of people had just finished uh, years of campaigning through the the um, through the country, f- murdering each other, um, and th- they spent a lot of time sitting around ye old campfire singing tunes. And um, ye old. you know, so, you know, soldiers want to hang out with their old war buddies, and uh, they're like, "Well, it's it's a lot of trouble to get all the old boys back together. Why don't we just stage a production?" Uh, and get everyone on stage. We'll sing the old, the old tunes around the campfire. So um, <laughs> obviously they had to stop doing that immediately once like several theaters were burned down. But the the same spirit kept with it, and that's where the musical came from. All right, sitting around a campfire, the end of the Civil War, in a theater. Ye old campfire with real campfire. Ye old which. Fun fact, it's a different the kind of Y in ye is a thorn, which has the yes. same phoneme as a TH. Right. So when you see ye old, it, it literally pronounced the. The right, more so. you know. <laughs> Molly. Or you Yo. know. Um, what did it, it evolve from? It evolved from, lo and behold, the very first homeowners in, um, association meeting where things got so heated that the whole shebang with Count Wolfenstein and the, <laughs> and the crook and the whole hoo-ha <laughs> came out. And uh, somebody there who was a, a ye old writer at the time was like, this is juicy shit. I got to write this down. Bada bing, bada boom. You got this musical. That makes perfect. My favorite part was when Wolfenstein started singing about why the hell can I paint my door blue? Yeah, yeah. Grass length. It was a big deal. Ah, inspired. Also, also why it's so dang long, because everybody needs to say their piece, you know? So that makes sense. So many characters. What did it evolve from? It evolved from the J.D. Power and Associates Awards uh, and focus groups. All right. Just, I mean, that's directed to the point. Gotta love that. Okay. If it's true, it's true. Randy, what did the musical evolve from? What were the gents' names again? The gents. Henry's, (laughs) Jarrett, and Palmer. You you actually might know them being somebody in Descripted who... Um, because Jared and Palmer did have their hands in some of the early Pulitzer Prize winning plays known as Jarrett and Palmer. Okay. So it's Jarrett and Palmer. Jarrett and Palmer. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. I believe I just I had to refresh my memory because I couldn't remember. Of course. Uh, yeah. um, but uh, I believe it was Palmer. Uh, Palmer uh, had a, a, a lot of trouble uh, sleeping uh, because he was just plagued with uh, with nightmares over uh, a, a period of a few months, uh, and it was this this recurring nightmare, and uh, it pretty much was the 
the the storyline of the musical uh, that just, you know, once a week he'd have this nightmare and he would just tack on to the end of it. And, and that's why it was so long, because it was just, you know, yes, yeah. it was an hour and an hour and an hour. It was over, you know, four or five weeks, whatever. And that's that's what it was. That makes sense. And it's still true today. There are some junior versions of musicals that have evolved from nightmares. So we have, um, <laughs> what did it evolve from? We have Steve sitting around ye old campfire at the end of the Civil War, Molly and HOA meeting, Nate, JD Power and Associates and focus groups, and Randy, it evolved from nightmares. How would you like to score? You want me to go or you want to go? Uh, you can go. I'm going to go 25 points each uh, to uh, Steve for accuracy, because technically all storytelling evolved from sitting around a campfire and talking about things. Sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, then uh, 25 for Nate for brevity. It is the soul of wit. Yeah. Yes. No. Do you, you want to, anybody else? He didn't, he certainly didn't waste our time. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think Molly, I think Molly's got to, Molly's got to win this one because I hate HOAs oh, with shit, a passion. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. So Dan I, I grew up in Yarmouth. I did not have an HOA, but I, you know. But he knew a lot of people who did. I probably do. Yeah, no, you I mean, a lot of people was... judging each other in their little subdivision that you oh, yeah. grew up in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of people lots of in Yarmouth like, still little... hold a grudge that they're younger than North Yarmouth as a city. I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We they came second. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like I feel like Molly's got to got to come out on top with 40, 42 points because you know forty two points. And I think I think Randy's got to bring up the rear with only seventeen. Seventeen. Are you just making the math hard on purpose? Of course. All right. Like, oh, yes. no, it's okay. Keep it interesting. Yeah, the spreadsheet can do it with no problem. So. Uh, <laughs> What did it evolve from? The musical is a combination, admittedly so, a combination of theater, vaudeville, and opera devised into a new art form. Yep. yep. Uh, in fact, they were trying to import the unique vaudeville experiences in Europe, and it, they just started combining them. Question number three, up until Hammerstein and Kern's production of Showboat in 1927, all musicals were in one specific genre. And no, the genre isn't musical. What <laughs> was that genre, Randy? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's my favorite genre uh, and the one that uh, makes me laugh the most. It was a mockumentary. Simple uh, as that. All right. Yeah, yeah. All musicals went up to 11. Steve? Uh, science fiction. Sci-fi. <laughs> I mean, the year, it's accurate, right? You have uh, Metropolis, close to Metropolis. Molly. Children's stuff. <laughs> Ironically spoken like a mother. Children's stuff. <laughs> Children's. And Nate, what was the genre? Uh, it is a futuristic historical nonfiction. <laughs> historical. Okay. All right. Future <laughs> historical nonfiction. My favorite musical from the 1860s was the one about World War II. Uh, so 
And it was nonfiction, too. They had it completely correct. Which was exactly. It was amazing, right? I mean, who would have known? Uh, so um, up until Showboat 1927, all musicals were in one specific genre. Was it mockumentary, sci-fi, children's stuff, or future historical nonfiction? <laughs> <laughs> Linda and Dan, how would you like to score? How would you like to score up? Uh, I think I think Randy gets top top points here. I think uh... because you just want to think about Wolfenstein turning <laughs> to the camera and being like, you know, I really wanted to get with her dog. Like just, exactly. just doing the office yeah. stare. Yeah. At the, at the, hey, the if you guys ever want to do a rewrite and you want to do a musical, <laughs> let me know. I'll write you an office version of <laughs> Count <laughs> Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Of the black. All right, how would you like? So, How so much you want to give Randy's Randy? Gonna be, Randy's going to go up to. Randy's going to have fifty-one points. Wait, total? Nice, 51. No, no, no. He's going to get fifty-one. Wow, big yep. time! It's fifty. What? Yeah, you okay, raised the box. Yeah. All you. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to give. <laughs> I'm going to give Steve Corning. 39 and a half because technically everything was science fiction. They didn't have that much science he around. He did not deserve 39 and a half. Ooh, <laughs> that was, that was, that was, I love this. Yeah, I retaliate by giving Nate something. <laughs> Molly. What's that? Molly. Oh, no, Molly. Children's. Children's. Stuff. stuff. Yeah. We're going to give her 47 points for cadence. Yes. Yes. No, good delivery. 47 yeah, cadence points. Yep. And then, Thank you. And then, and then Nate had Nate had the most complicated answer. So <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, uh, was for Carl. It was something. Future historical, historical nonfiction. Nonfiction. Yep. His future historical nonfiction. That's so right. Like alternate universe. So, so wait, like hold on. I think I think we're history? giving him. I think we're giving twenty five points for future, and then we're subtracting thirty two points for historical. Ooh, but and then, then add... nonfiction. We're going to add in six. I don't know where that. Ends no, us. he's got to have right, a little more than that. It's Why? Gotta... Have it. Shut that. <laughs> okay, we're slowing down the whole process here. Okay. They have other games. <laughs> <laughs> they I like this. But this is great. Math. This is a game within a game. I, I want to write a it's musical fun. about you two. I uh, see yeah. so you know, that uh, So, yeah, we have what was the genre? Well, prior to 1927, all musicals were comedies. Okay. Oh, you were just looking yeah. for comedy. <laughs> comedy, oh. the genre of okay. comedy. Yes. In, which includes uh, question number four, our final question. Comedy. Broadway is a street that runs through the heart of Times Square for people still living under a rock, but you don't have to be on Broadway to be produced on Broadway. What determines if a show is produced on Broadway? Nate? Um, your tax exemption ID number. <laughs> Love it. All right, tax exemption ID. Uh, and if you want to see whether or not you are allowed to be on Broadway, you can just skip that and send your social security number to us at Baldur Dash Academy <laughs> with your mother's maiden name. And okay, so Randy, <laughs> what determines uh, if a show is produced off Broadway? Determines whether on it's Broadway. on Broadway. Um, I I think it's uh, how many people can fit in the building before the fire marshal has a a, a fit. <laughs> All right, yeah. How many people can fit in the building? Good answer, Steve. Uh, technically, you can be on Broadway anywhere in the world as long as you have a giant scale out front where you can weigh some broads. <laughs> no. 
Complaints can be delivered to Steve Corning, <laughs> care of Balderdash Academy. Yeah. Am I getting muted again? <laughs> no, but you should. No, be. not for that one. That, no, that's a consequences matter, Molly. Wow, gotta follow that. Okay, uh, it's if you get the coffee order correct for the person you're trying to bribe. So you gotta get the caramel mochiato with the whip and the extra caramel sauce with the whatnot in the vente and the hoo ha. You know. The high fat skinny latte. All, all that. <laughs> okay. I don't know if anybody's actually ever used the hoo-ha in the coffee order, but I'm game. Okay, Whatever so. the coffee order may be, you got to get it right. How many times has Molly McGill said hoo-ha tonight? It's at least three. I, mean, I think we should get a counter what? at the bottom of the screen. What determines if a show is produced on Broadway? We have Nate with tax redemption ID, Randy. How many people can fit in the building before the fire department gets itchy? Steve, giant scale on the street. Where you can weigh some broads. No, 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 and don't Molly, say it. <laughs> coffee order correct. If you can get your partner's coffee order correct, how would you like to score? Well, I want to give something like 100 points to Randy because I think that's technically the correct he, answer. He's, he's, he's closest like, to correct. When it comes to whether it's broad, on Broadway or off Broadway, I believe that's how many seats there are in the theater. You're, you're taking you're taking okay. away from Bob's Bob's duty is like telling us what the actual answer is. I know. Oh, no, so, you're, so, ahead. you're doing fine. 100, 100 points to Randy. Wow. Uh, okay. 20 points to Molly for saying hoo-ha again? Mm, 25. Okay. Uh, 25 for Molly's hoo-ha. We're, we're, we're sticking with the brevity, so we're going to go with 30 points to Nate. And then what what do we do about Steve? What? It's okay, We've Steve. been asking I for mean, years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The being performatively offended by feminist, like anti-feminist, like whatever. It's just the word broad. Oh, it was no, a pun. It was the it was pun. pun. Okay. Got it. I thought you were like, weighing broad. Weighing broad. More or less offensive than my earlier pun. I, I just would love to know for you, for you guys. <laughs> Uh, Which one hurts more? Like, 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 how, how fast can we get him canceled? Okay, how about let's just go with, let's give him two points. Two, two, two points. Shave and haircut, two points, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. You got yeah. two. Yeah. Two points. Um, My bad. Linda and Dan were correct. What determines if a show is produced on Broadway? So a Broadway theater must have 500 seats and be located between 40th Street and 54th. And west of six and east of eighth. Uh, theaters with 99 to 499 seats are off Broadway. And if they have 99 seats uh, or less, they are uh -huh. off, off Broadway. So there I you go. I a lot of time looking at this so I can figure out if I can qualify for a Tony in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, here's the thing to make it, to make it easier, speaking of non sequiturs, Let's get back to give me the details. And according to NPR, what did a man in disguise throw at the Mona Lisa and why? So to recap the answers, uh, <laughs> we have uh, Nate, uh, one of the reporters dressed up and threw raw spaghetti at the Mona Lisa. Randy, she wasn't being satisfied and the stinker satisfied. Steve. Sets up a pun through the yeah. Louvre. And yeah. uh, Molly wanted her to crack a smile. So those were our answers. The real answer was... Um, cake. The man threw cake at the Louvre, screaming in French, think of the earth, 
There are people who are destroying the earth. Think about it. Artists tell you, think of the earth. That's why I did this. This man is now in psychiatric care in France. It's a real uh, shame the because story. the cake was actually just a giant globe on fire, but we didn't get to see that part of the message. It was just smeared, I say. Oh. Why? Because honestly, nowadays everything is cake. Let them eat it. Yeah. Everything is cake. Links to the story and the video are in the description. It's now time for our points, and our points are... In last place, we have Nate with 54 points. Next, we have Steve with 111 and a half points. Molly with 134 points. And in the lead, we have Randy with 223 points. Whoa. Join us <laughs> when we return for my pop quiz and technically correct only wow. on Balderdash Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Port Fringe presents The Adventures of Aphrodite Prime and the Invaders from Venus 12. A live radio extravaganza bringing the wonders of the future right here to 1933. Relive the adventures of the past at Port Fringe with Balderdash Academies, Aphrodite Prime, and the Invaders from Venus 12. A radio play from Balderdash Academy's on-the-air live comedy radio show. Let us paint the scenes in your mind and see the world through the eyes of your ears. For more information, visit portfringe.com. We'll see you on the air. <laughs> it's been a hell of a game. Our points are... In last place, we have Nate with 54 points. Next, we have Steve with 111 and a half. We have Molly with 134. And in the lead, we have Randy with 223 points. Jeez. So, Linda and Daniel, before we move back to our final question from the Balderdash randomizer, um, you guys doing all right? <laughs> it's been a show. It's been a little bit wild. Uh, so we are back with the Balderdash randomizer. The spin will generate a random question that our professors will have to answer in 30 seconds or less. Our final question is... Question number 13. What music should we be listening to? Ooh. Uh, what music should they be listening to? Well, obviously the Balderdash Academy theme song because it's so important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nearly awesome. I can't even say it. colonoscopy. Uh, Thirty seconds. <laughs> for that. I, I'm like weirdly in. Okay, so has anybody listened to the like the entire Fun album? You know that F U N period they wrote yeah. uh, Carry mm -hmm. On, whatever. I'm really into Fun right now, so I would recommend that. Uh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Banger oh, yeah. in the past. Banger. Absolute banger. <laughs> You can never, yeah, you can never musically broken, and that's why it works. There was a brilliant YouTube uh, breakdown on the melody oh, of yeah. Toxic. I'll link in the description if I can find it. I, I have an extra one to toss out for you two, since we're above 30 seconds. What about Scrum Girl? <laughs> Hi, that's called a segue. What about Scrum Girl? <laughs> Tell okay. us about Scrum Girl. Yeah. 
No, you okay, can answer so for real now. <laughs> we only have 36 fans about Scrum Girl. Uh, Scrum Girl. Yes, yes, yes. So Scrum Girl is basically like it's us. It's us. And before I met Colby, we were talking a few yep. moments ago about uh, my partner, Colby. Uh, I have I just have a lot of creative energy to get out, but I cannot play an instrument to save my life. Um, <laughs> where I come in. And so I met this asshole and I'm like, hey, can you, can you strum the guitar while I do things? And uh, I said yes. And yeah. And then we got married and had children and yeah. really struggled to have time to do it. And uh Luckily, I found somebody who's better more. at playing instruments than him. And I think <laughs> as, as one fifth of your therapist, I, I would appreciate if you re- don't refer to him as an asshole. <laughs> I think um, we, uh, we, we, you know, we sporadically will just kind of dabble in doing little songs. And I think we, you know, when we first started out, we were doing all these like genuine songs of like, like not love songs, but like oh, some of them were. There I were mean, songs about us falling in love, like plucky, oh. plucky little songs. Like because we were we, so cute back then, we, people, are, people would meet us and they'd be like, "Oh my god, you're such a cute couple." And we'd be like, "Here's our cute couple song." We and we that I mean, did not last. No, no, like this is this is not a lie. It's kind of cringe thinking about it now, however many years later. But like our invitation for our wedding thing was like a it's CD. Not cringe. It's a it CD was, of music we put together, and it's I, and it's I don't know. It's, it's not well produced. But I'll grant you that. But you know, it's it's. But like the, we we realized, I think after a while, that doing like little short things that had a point and we could like really get done in like a day or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we wrote one. Uh, the mo- our most recent one, I think, was Saint Patty's Day in Isolation. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we wrote, and I had written it <laughs> yeah. originally for my father because he's an, he he does Irish songs or whatever. But he happened, so I was like, okay, Dad, put this online. Like this will help your. You know, you can't be singing in bars right now. But he ended up having like laryngitis and so i was like i don't want the song to go to waste and we have 12 hours before st patty's day is up there's no over. wait for the toilet when you're throwing up green i think is a lie yeah or, <laughs> yes. it's st about- patty's day in isolation from covid19 there's no wait for the toilet when you're yeah. throwing up green and yeah. there was yeah. a thing about like how everyone like no you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere so you know. but if you want to deal on beer there's plenty of corona yeah yeah so speaking of lovers of novelty songs and segues mm-hmm. um I have a history quiz that fits just that very topic. All right. Yeah. Are you guys ready for uh, for my theme? Mm-hmm. It's just the show theme because the first I, ever. I uh, threw this on Steve. He did not realize that I uh, was going to do this. Steve writes all of our theme music. Um, I also don't need one because I write all the shows, so this is technically my theme song. <laughs> all right. So today... We're going to talk about musical history and possibly the world's original punk artist, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, the world's original rock star. Wolfgang, like um, most of the other celebrities of his day, most notably Ben Franklin, for some reason deeply appreciated, appreciated, write that down, new word, I just coined it, I own it, see it on a t-shirt, deeply appreciated the tunes generated by the musical fruit. I'm not talking about the ocarina. He'd uh, be tickled to know that the Urban Dictionary labels cutting the cheese in a musical way as a Mozart fart. What was one artistic way that he appreciated his flatus? Molly, Wait, how did he what? artistically appreciate his 
I, I think where, we're all confused, Molly. Where did the statement end and the question start? It's so confused. Molly, how did he how did he artistically appreciate his farts? Artistically appreciate it? What did he do? Uh, gee whiz, he wrote a lullaby about it. All right, wrote a lullaby. Just getting right to it. Why not, right? Nate, what's your answer? What was one artistic way that he appreciated his farts? So what he would do is he would sprinkle a little bit of sulfur on some paper, uh, and then he would uh, light a match, fart, it would burn, and create kind of like a, a Rorschach test type thing. <laughs> um, so that's how he was able to work his farts into arts. All right, farts into arts. Randy? Um... <laughs> Uh, I think when he was playing his music on the piano and something, you know, escaped his body like that, uh, he would just have, he would just stop playing, have a moment of silence to appreciate what he's done and then go back to playing again. All right. Moment of silence, Steve. Uh, he wrote a musical. Uh, called the Black Crook, uh, <laughs> Ghostwriter, and uh, hence you know the Count Wolfenstein was a little play on his name, Wolfgang Wolfenstein, <laughs> and uh, much like a criminal who stays in the shadows, his farts were often silent and deadly. All right, there you go. So, how did he appreciate his farts? We have Molly wrote a lullaby, Nate sprinkled sulfur on paper, and had a Rorschach test. Randy held a moment of silence, and Steve wrote a musical called The Black Crook about his silent but deadly Wolfensteins. Can I just say <laughs> kids love like a good fart joke? So. Kid stuff. So kids did Mozart. How would, you, uh, how would you like to score? Well, I was just about to just say for the record that as a mother of two small boys, I try to stay as far away from scatological humor as I possibly can. Uh, maybe I'll just let Dan score this one. It was weird because I was, my, my first thought was I was just going to let you score this one. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're going to give 75 points to Steve for the callback. Yeah, no. And also, I was trying to jump in there with the wolf, the wolf Wolfenstein, Wolfgang thing, but it's very hard when the, with the lag. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, thank you for covering that. I appreciate I so. it. I so, and then I feel like maybe, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like also seventy five for Randy because like I can really appreciate. You can he's winning by so much. Fine, and then you just <laughs> fine. You don't have to take that into consideration at all. Fair. Dad's like, no, fine. He gets like, winning. Anyway, I can just, I can, I can, I can. You can, to you can, you can at least totally make second place like reasonable. Okay, you, but you, you can totally see, you know, Mozart just like sitting there and just. No, okay, but here's the thing. It's not just he, that he stood there. He would like he'd be playing, and there'd be this whatever, and then he'd be like, "Did you guys hear that one?" And then he'd go back. <laughs> so fine, ten points for Randy. Yeah, <laughs> then oh. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Uh, what, what else? What else? Uh, uh, Twenty points to Molly for for staying on brand. Yeah, yeah. Twenty points for Kids. Molly. Well, and also for highlighting Oh yeah. Because nobody understood. I just thought he was making something up. Like he, he just sounded like he was doing an answer to a question. Like, yeah, Mozart. Oh, Mozart was famous for appreciating Mozart. farts. Yeah, mm -hmm. like that didn't, you know. Yeah. And then he made it. He made it. He said that he made it into work of fart or whatever. Which oh was, yeah. I mean, give, uh, no. Let's give let's give eighty points and uh, a shout out to Mabim Bam. Yeah. So no, McElroy's. Yeah. No. Yeah. To, to to Nate. Nate. Nate eighty yeah. points to Nate. Yeah. Eighty points to Nate. All right. I would like to give uh, Bob 100 points for uh, 
confusing but very good faculty yeah. quiz. So if it, if, it, if it helps, yeah, if it helps, the question it goes up at the end, Steve. So when right. you hear that peak, right. I got confused yeah. by the Massachusetts <laughs> accent. What was there. one artistic way he appreciated his flatus? Yeah, but where's the question, Bob? Yeah, I was in the weeds, though. I got to be honest. I kind of yes. just kind of right. well. Um, he used to write poetry about them. According to the book Strange History from Portable Press, Mozart composed poems about his best farts. In a letter he wrote to his mother, translated to maintain rhythm. Yesterday, though, we heard the king of farts. It smelled as sweet as honey tarts. While it wasn't the strongest of voice, it still came on as a powerful noise. That is so deep. It is deep. Yeah. That is a word And fart. it's now time for Technically Correct. Yay. Our next game wow. is the fan favorite Technically Correct. I will read a description of a movie. That is Technically Correct. Our faculty members will all come up with an answer as fast as possible and present it one by one. Our visiting professors will award points to the answers they like best. Movie number one. A family tries to regain their youth. Steve, a family tries to regain their youth. youth. Oh, family tries to regain their youth. Saw. Saw. Molly. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons, which is Harry and Bigfoot in Europe. For reasons. Uh, Nate. Get out. Get out. And Randy. Uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I shrunk the kids. All right, so we have a family tries to regain their youth. Steve with Saw, Molly with Harry and the Hendersons, Nate with Get Out, and Randy with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. How would you like to score? Um, let's give it all to Nate. Ooh, no, no. I feel like all I feel five like- points. Yeah, come on, Dan. <laughs> let's no, let's do let's do eighteen points for everyone. Okay. All right. That's okay. Okay. for everyone. Yeah. So basically, you just did nothing. Yeah. That's, that's my exactly. that's my favorite. That's my favorite kind of doing stuff is doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can vouch for this being his favorite type of doing stuff. Oh. All right. Continuing. Therapy's going right. great. Therapy is so going really good. I, a family tries to regain their youth. Describes hocus pocus. Oh. Okay. Oh. All right, fine. All right, all right. All right. Movie number two, a cleaning lady helps her eccentric employer. Randy, what does that describe? What movie is that? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Steve. Oh, man. Oh, I was going to say Mrs. Doubtfire as well. (laughs) So uh, we'll just say Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Molly. J-Lo, Made in Manhattan, right? That's a movie, made right, I think. in Manhattan. That is a movie, Molly, yeah. <laughs> and Nate? Seven. Seven. Wow. <laughs> All right. So we have a cleaning lady helps her eccentric employer, Randy with Mrs. Doubtfire, Steve with Mary Poppins, Molly Made in Manhattan, and Nate with seven. How would you like to score? You can give Nate seven points. Uh, sure. We're going to give uh, 15 points to the late Robin Williams for Randy Hunt. Um, and then we're going to give five points each for uh, Steve and Molly for um, answers. The answers that you gave me. <laughs> remember. Right. I love when you're cleaning and you find a box and you're like not sure what's in it. You're like, what's in, what's in what's this in box? What's in this box? 
Donna. All right. I just want to figure out. So, all your boxes. Yeah, exactly. A cleaning lady. <laughs> a cleaning lady helps her eccentric employer describes Howell's moving castle. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Never Didn't see it. Never heard of it. All right. Movie number three. <laughs> Movie number three. A homebody saves a woman from a man who can't take no for an answer. Saves a woman. A homebody saves a woman from a man who can't take no for an answer. Nate. Psycho. Psycho. Randy. Uh... Uh, oh, shoot, I'm gonna pull a Molly here. Uh, <laughs> the Shining. Shining. Steve. Uh, weekend at Bernie's. Oh, Lord. Weekend at, not Herbie's, but Bernie's this time. Um, that's an in joke if anybody listens to the uh, podcast. And Molly. <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> Um, the one with the... <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is a movie. All right. So, a uh, homebody saves a woman from a man who can't take no for an answer. We have Nate with Psycho, Randy with Shining, Steve with Weekend of Bernie's, and Molly with a Shawshank Redemption. Stealing Nate's answer. How would you answer. like to score? Let's give 15 to Molly for Shawshank, I guess. Oh, great movie. Great movie. Randy, here's <laughs> 10 points. Okay. <laughs> You really had to bring the hears out longer. Continue. Okay. No, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got you it. continue. Go ahead. Fine. Uh, five points for Nate because he said that movie that made sense in context. I mean, I, don't know. I can remember Psych two answers Psycho. at a time. Psycho. I can remember two. Psycho. Fine. And then one for him because he also said an answer. I cannot. All right. One yeah. for Randy. I see him leaving. No, he's that would be no, Steve. I guess I'm him now. Oh, for my Steve? name is here at the bottom. All right. if you, if yeah, yeah I have to hover. Okay, if my finger is not hovering over you, then I don't have it. Like, and we're Facebook friends now, so I feel like we're, you know, <laughs> we're really close. You should know my name. Okay. So a homebody saves a woman from a man who can't take no for an answer describes the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. Oh. Oh, shit. Uh, Man, I was there in my head. Came out when I was a Disney employee. Mm. All and right. it takes place in Rome. Cast member. It <laughs> does. Sure. Mm. Yeah, right? Because, you know, Rome's very famous for Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home of the... <laughs> and uncooked the pasta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Movie number four. A man discovers that sometimes it's best to pack an extra change of shoes for Christmas vacation. Oh, I this one. Everybody knows this one. We do? Yeah. And a man discovers, you'd be surprised. A man discovers that sometimes Christmas. it's best to pack an extra change of shoes Christmas. for a Christmas vacation. Christmas Molly. God darn it, Bob. Uh, Christmas movie. Um, so, I a, know my faculty. What's a Christmas movie? <laughs> I mean, um, there's. You seriously don't know. Uh, Home Alone. Home alone. Yeah, All right, Sorry, Nate. Guys. That's a that's a good answer, actually. Uh, I'm gonna say the um, 2001 Space Odyssey. 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> 2001 Dalmatian. A uh, Space Odyssey. All right, Randy. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Die Hard and oh, Steve. Yeah. 
I'm almost positive there was a, a Hallmark film based on this song, <laughs> The Christmas Shoes. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Shoes. All right. So we have uh, a man discovers that sometimes it's best to pack an extra change of shoes for Christmas vacation. We have Molly with Home Alone, Nate with 2001 A Space Odyssey, Randy with Die Hard, Steve with The Christmas Shoes. <laughs> How would you like to score? Randy gets a thousand points because obviously... <laughs> uh, Molly gets 500 points because it's children's die hard mm-hmm. like that's, that's what true. Home Alone that, is that's yep. true. That's true. children's die yep. hard totally how many hundreds of points do we give Nate and Steve Steve gets 250 because the Christmas shoes is uh, a Rob Lowe classic based on the worst song ever written yes agreed Preach. agreed agreed no uh, one cares I appreciate that yeah. nobody wrote that a, a computer nobody wrote it just like a soulless computer just like, what is something that middle-aged right. women will buy there was no writer for that song there's no art for that song and then we're gonna then, give up Nate isn't Nate, it, what the hell did you say? He said he said 2001 A Space Odyssey. Do we give him 2001 points? I no. think you have to. You... No, no. We can <laughs> give him it'd be funny. 201 points. 200.1, 201.10th of a point. Yes, 201.10th uh, of a point. Because we can't, we can't take away from Randy, who actually got the answer right. I feel kind of All bad. right. Is that the idea uh, of the game? Randy did that. get the question right. <laughs> a man discovers that sometimes it's best to pack an extra change of shoes for a Christmas vacation. Describes Die Hard. Obviously. 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 So, Linda and Daniel, thank you for being visiting professors tonight on Balderdash Academy. Now, you said in your write-up that you have a history of finding yourselves eating popcorn at inopportune <laughs> moments, and I need examples. <laughs> there are two that come to mind. Uh, like, we, we, we eat a lot of popcorn. Um, yep. So... So one time we had our two best friends over and they were like, we we're all on the couch and one of them's on one side of us and one of them's on the other side. And we're just having a nice night and Dan and I are eating popcorn. And suddenly they start like they start having this conversation that slowly turns to an argument and it gets more and more bitter until they're screaming at each other. <laughs> not, not screaming, but like, well, but heated and oh, like... No, one of them's crying and one of them's like, you always do this. And we look we're at each sitting. other and we're just going like this. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. we don't want to interrupt them. We don't want to interrupt them, but, but we just, also I think we're pretty stoned, and we're just like, uh huh. Well, you don't want to interrupt them, but you also already have the popcorn, so you didn't need to make it for the argument. Because the week earlier, we had just sat down, like the same, this like a week earlier, we had just sat down at the the couch, and we just we just got this big batch of popcorn, and then we heard like a giant noise outside, so we went outside. Fire trucks fire are trucks or whatever by. and our neighbor's house is on fire and we're like sitting here like what's going on and we're trying to figure out and we, we ran and we out just, so fast that we have the popcorn we just we didn't think we just started eating it and, and somebody looks over at us and we're like oh shit we're terrible people we're just sitting here so, watching our family like this neighbor's house, house go up in flames devastation just yeah. the all there's only two things that would have made you more conspicuous for arson other than a bowl of pre-made popcorn, that's a bag of marshmallows or a can of gasoline. <laughs> why not both? Why not both? Why not all three? Yeah, all three? So you can find Linda and Daniel at Port Fringe with It's Complicated the Musical, along with Carrie Anderson and Catherine Buxton's Windows 95 relaunch, and our very own live radio show, Aphrodite Prime. We can all be seen June 14th, 16th, and 18th. Advanced ticket prices 
Our $15 gives you all three acts, or we'd prefer you go for the I Love Fringe $30, which gives you all three acts and gives us a little tip showing your appreciation in a monetary way. It is now time for today's moral. So, after listening to all of the answers that were delivered tonight, the technical issues that we had on and off, and the fact that we took a month or a little more than a month off in between episodes eight and nine, one thing is perfectly clear. And it's quite simply this. Balderdash Academy can be a type of therapy if you bring out a can of White Claw. <laughs> and when in doubt, live theater always helps. Come and see a support French. So, our winner for today's show, it might be an upset, in last place, <laughs> but nowhere near the real last place, because I'm going to give our last place person 25,000 points. They just don't count for the win. Robin Williams with 15 points. Next, yes. we have myself with 123 points. We have Nate with 364.01 points. Then we have Steve with 460 and one half. Now, is it going to be Randy or is it going to be Molly? Well, Molly has 692, which means in the lead, we have Randy with 1,261 <laughs> points, dethroning Carla Rose Dubois. Oh. Congratulations, Randy. Nice, nice job. So thank you for visiting us at Balderdash Academy. I've been your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me has been our faculty, <laughs> Professor of English Language Arts, Molly McGill. I don't like math, but I can do that math really quick. <laughs> Professor of Steam, Nate Green. I do know the difference between Paris and Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. One's next to Norway and the other is somewhere near China. <laughs> All right. Coach Steve Corning. Uh, shoot puns, not guns. Oh, also, <laughs> we'll get them next time. <laughs> And our professor of the performing arts and reigning champion tonight, Professor Randy Hunt. Oh, uh, I just farted. Can we have a moment of silence? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Lastly, please off? show your appreciation to our visiting professors. Go to linco, L-I-N-C-O dot media and give a listen to the podcast. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, Schedule it out, though, because if you do what I did, you're going to miss half the day just binging it. Um, also, you want to uh, check us out at Port Fringe. You can find all information at portfringe.com. Just look for It's Complicated, the musical. Linda, Daniel, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember that we have options available if you'd like to support the show directly. Show your school pride with merch from our store. We are also booking live shows, improv, comedy, and team building throughout New England and featuring our brand new live radio show on the air so you can see comedy radio theater that never was. 
Links to everything, including tickets to Port Fringe 22. And our show, Aphrodite Prime and the Invaders from Venus 12 are in the description. Thank you for listening and have a good night. Go Dashers! Good afternoon, Dashers. This is your headmaster reminding you that we are now booking live Balderdash Academy. If you want improv comedy, custom game show experiences, team building, and more, you can find us online at balderdashacademy.com. And don't forget to pick up Balderdash Academy merchandise in our school store while you're there. Balderdash Academy was produced and edited by Bob LeBlanc. Theme music by Thinkfish Tank. Performed and written by Steve Corning, Carla Rose Dubois, Nate Green, Randy Hunt, Bob LeBlanc, Molly McGill, and Marie Stewart Harmon. Copyright 2022, Balderdash Academy. All rights reserved. Go Dashers!